Welcome to the Rockaroo. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in the studio after a little bit of an absence, so we should be sounding crystal clear to you, tickling your eardrums and sparking your Colorado Rockies passion. Yeah, I, it already sounds better to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you want? What do you want to talk about today? Uh, the Colorado Rockies and oh yes, baseball club owned by the Montforts of Greeley and the meatpacking of meatpacking fame, um, located in in Denver, Colorado, playing baseball games at Twentieth and Blake Coors Field. Uh, they had a yeah. home, home, air quote, home opener this weekend, beginning on Friday with the Padres of San Diego. Yes. So bad news for the Rockies is they're 0-2 for their openers this season. The season opener oh, yeah. and the home opener. Two losses. Good news is those are the only two losses that the Rockies have. That is good news. Better news, uh, Chris Owings' parents can be proud of that little tyke. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can be, yeah, they can be proud seeing him out there, getting his opportunity, getting his opportunity. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sam Hilliard's dad is sitting there saying, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> yep, that's that, that's a good way to break it down, if, you, if you're going to break it down. Anyway, uh, that you could. So, yeah, last we left off, the Rockies were 4-1, and one, had just swept a series. And for all intents and purposes, I feel like they really let a sweep go against the Padres this, this weekend, starting with the loss in that, that home, quote-unquote, home opener. So I was very disappointed in that game. That one, it, it's hard to be critical of them right now, but also, it's like, this is the season you cannot let games slip away. Right. Right. Uh, I also argue you can't ever let them slip away. Um, but uh, we all know what you mean, specifically. Yeah, Friday night was a heart wrencher. It was. Uh, that's the last thing you want to see. And then Sunday comes up and, oh, my shoulder is sore gonna probably have to go on that il yeah yeah big blow for the rockies <laughs> bullpen <laughs> there today was sunday was a big blow for the closer role for the rockies for sure yeah but the overall you know it, it's tough because after watching game one of the padres series everyone's talking up the padres and honestly they looked Pretty good. Uh, the Rockies looked better. They do go into the top of the ninth with a four to, I guess, a, no, a five to four lead. And the Padres then take the opportunity to show Wade Davis what's up after he gets two guys out and 
Fernando Tatis goes yard and Davis walks a couple guys and Pham goes yard and boom, all of a sudden the Rockies are down 8-5. to five. That was depressing. That sucked. Yeah. What sucked even more was Tatis Jr. bat flipped like uh, he had hit it eight rows up. It barely made it over the fence, buddy. Let's take it easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, cut to Saturday night and Trevor's story will show you how to do a proper bat, Home run. bat toss. It wasn't really a flip, but a bat toss, we'll call it. Uh, so t- yeah. take some notes, Tatis Jr. Yep, that's the way that you do it. You you make it, one, you make sure that it's, you know, on the concourse mm-hmm. or, you know, up close to it. Two, uh, when you flip the bat, you make it nice and subtle, but, you know, in your face, too, at the same time. <laughs> and that's that's the way the Trevor Story bat flip uh, looked, and that, that was awesome. But... I don't know. Do you want to talk about anything specific in the in the first game other than Wade Davis? Yeah. Blowing it? Oh, yeah. There's some other stuff that happened there in the ninth that was very disappointing. Yeah, specific. But the, the start of the game was nice. It was it was good to see the Rockies get 14 hits total. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh two from Dahl, three from Story, three from Blackman, two from Arenado. You know, those those are your top Four hitters. That's awesome. That's what you'd like to see. Yeah, getting it done at the top. Getting it done at the top. And and, and Johnny Dark Wolf had himself a good outing there up until a point. He kind of kind of slipped away from him, which was uh, that's you don't like seeing that. It didn't. I think what did he end up giving up three total? Three runs, two earned. Yeah, four hits total, a walk. Only two strikeouts, which is odd for for Gray, but he did go five and two thirds. Specifically odd for Gray against the Padres. Yeah, I mean, usually he's mowing them down like um, he's got a vendetta against that city, <laughs> which he probably does. Maybe he I, does. Well, I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah. So he was. It was. It was good. It was a good game, and you know, it was it was really a good game, even though the Rockies lost all the way to the to the end of it. Um, you get Kemp doing a little uh, damage mm-hmm. as a pinch hitter, which was awesome. Uh, he comes in there, gives him the lead with a two RBI double, which that was sweet. So feeling really good going into that. Uh, into the ninth, but uh, Story tacks one on as well to really make you feel good. And then Inter Davis gets the first two. And then I just, you know, I already detailed what happened after that. But then that takes us to the bottom of the ninth when honestly you're not feeling, you're feeling kind of down, but, uh, but there's still hope. There's still hope. You're only down three. So, Enter into the bottom of the ninth, and what happens? They get some guys on. Some guys uh, get get some hits, singles, uh, some walks. I believe were in there, and uh, it, it leads up to to Sam Hilliard's spot. Uh, they yank Kirby Yates, which 
good for him. Like to see him uh, fail, you know, in the mm-hmm. general competition f- setting. Uh, yeah, the guy's really good. You, mm-hmm. you feel nice that you got to him. Plus, yeah. in the future, now you know, hey, we can get to him. So that's mm-hmm. always nice to have in the pocket. But, um, you know, there are two outs. The Rockies got two runs, so they made it seven to eight. Uh, so two runs in, two outs, bases loaded, same Hilliard spots coming up. Tingler. Is that his name? Jace Tingler, the new Padres manager? Oh, shoot. Something I don't like know. that. Probably. He yanks Yates, brings in our old pal Drew Pomeranz, the lefty, and uh, Sam Hilliard's due up. Uh, we come back from commercial break, and who's in the on deck circle but the one and only Chris Owings. Chris Owings. Pinch, pinch hitting. Uh, preferred the, the right on left with Owings. My thoughts, I'd yeah. much rather see Sam Hilliard take that at bat. Now, Owings could have thrown out a single and won the game, and it's a different conversation. It didn't happen. Either way, I still would I would have preferred to, preferred to see Hilliard get that at bat. Or, I mean, I, I don't know. There's a multiple, multitude of guys still available that could get that at bat, right? You still got uh, Fuentes, who hasn't seen the light of day yet. <laughs> You've got, uh, I guess, Diaz is still still hasn't seen any at-bats. Not that you want to put a guy that, you, that hasn't seen any at-bats, but who else is available at that time? I mean... Hampson's in because he was pinch running for Murphy, who walked prior to that at or yeah, prior to that at bat. Uh, who else is even available? I guess was there any? To me, I said. I mean, we talked about it. I said like I'd like to see anyone other than <laughs> than Owings get that at bat, and it's easy to sit here and rip on it because at that point in time, Owings had seen two starts. And quite a few at bats, at least eight at bats, I guess, and hadn't gotten a hit yet. So it's not like you're running with the hot hand either. Right. Yeah. You make a good point with that. Um, it was, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, he got that bat and he, he popped out or flew out to center field, game over. Uh, one thing, one notable thing for me, though, is the previous batter was Ryan McMahon, and he had a pitch on 3-1. He had a pitch that he could, all he needed was a single, and he fouled it off. He also, yeah. he also had uh, the next pitch on 3-2, just kind of right down the pipe, um, 94-95, I believe. So I was really pulling for the Mick Walkoff man legend to continue. He did end up drawing the walk, which is good, but he did have a pitch yeah. to to do some damage with. Yeah. So it yeah, there was a lot of good things that were happening in that inning because all of the scoring happened with two outs. I mean, you get I guess the the top of that inning was um I guess who started that inning off? It was 
Well, whoever it was, they got they were out. Tony Walters, he grounds out. Then Dahl gets on base with a with a line drive. Story lines out. Hit pretty hard, but lines out. So there's two outs, and then Blackman comes up. Um, he singles, which scores Dahl. Arenado singles, which scores... Uh, no, I guess at that point in time, that would just move Charlie to second. And then Daniel Murphy walks. Ryan McMahon walks, and you have bases loaded. So, to bring in... None other than Chris Owings. But yeah, it's like I'd still rather see Hilliard at that point in time because he's even... It's not like he has crappy splits against lefties, you know? Like, let him take his at-bat. Save, you know, save Owings for... In case he just ties the game up versus wins it with a swing, you know? Then you can pinch hit Owings later. But whatever, they end up losing that game, and Owings, of course, is rewarded with a start the very next day. Yeah, get him in there. Get him in there, coach. Yeah. Hey, I want my son. I don't want him just pinch hitting. I want him starting. That, the other, that was yeah. a, that was uh, uh, that was Owings's <laughs> dad. That, or mom. That was his dad or his mom. Or mom. Yeah. Either or. <laughs> but so then the next uh in the next game boom he throws out three hits uh ends up scoring a run gets an rbi so you know makes me feel every time he got a hit i i was like f you owings f you i know i ever tried all those hits for one hit last night yeah every time he got a hit i was saying dang it's gonna make it harder to talk about him on the rockaroo dang it's gonna make <laughs> it harder to talk about him on the rockaroo now <laughs> well then of course what happens he gets he goes three for four and he gets the start on sunday as well yeah in left field nonetheless though he did have a pretty nice throw from left field so that was interesting um which which one the one where he almost threw out machado on a double yeah i guess i'm just saying the pure arm strength was surprising oh. it was surprising to me Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Well, so that we we kind of ripped on that signing, or not necessarily the signing, but just having him on the forty man, uh, or the thirty man roster. That uh, we he was the one piece we didn't like. The piece that we did say, hey, that's a nice risk reward piece was Matt Kemp, and man, how's that? How's that working out so far? Pretty. Pretty good. Yeah, that's exciting. I always liked so, Matt Kemp. Uh, I think we went over this. Maybe, maybe, maybe we did. Maybe not. But I always liked Matt Kemp. Obviously, couldn't root for him because he was a Dodger and then a Padre. And then there's a small amount of time where he was a a, a Red. And then was he a Brave? Was he playing for the Braves for a minute? Um, um, yeah, I think uh, he was with the Marlins, the not Marlins. the Rays. I think the Marlins. Yeah. That I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know if he ever saw the field. I mean. But yeah. That, I think that's what they were talking about. But yeah. It's not. Padres and Reds were the main, the two main ones. Padres and Dodgers. 
Dodgers and Padres. Well, I mean, outside of Do- okay, outside so Dodgers, Dodgers, we all know them. Okay. Yeah, outside of the Dodgers, it was Padres and Reds. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice <laughs> to see him doing damage at Coors Field that benefits the Rockies. Yeah, heck yeah. If if you are if anyone listening is interested in a little tiny little bit of humor, go listen to Matt Kemp's four hundred and fifty seven foot home run call from Drewy Goodman. Uh, and you will you will have some amusement. I, I don't know if you know know what I'm talking about here, but Matt Camp smashes the crap out of that thing, and I'm immediately cheering like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah!" And Drew Goodman's like, "Matt Camp uh, puts one up to to right field, and oh, it's gone!" And then later they're talking about the home run, and Drew Goodman literally calls it a no doubter. And I'm like, uh, that's not the way you called it because I was thinking, wait, did I not see this right? Do I not see the ball going into the second deck in right field? And then, of course, it did. So I, he really got me confused, which then brings up the point, I guess, I guess the home announcers aren't at the field, right? Because there's no way he would have missed that if he was there. So they must have been announcing from their studio. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But we know Mark Stout was there. So <laughs> we do know that. I like Mark Stout. It was interesting. Yeah. I like Mark Stout as well. Uh anyways, I thought I thought it was humorous the way that uh, Drew called that and then later called it a no doubter where it was like, "Okay, what the what the heck is going on here?" But he smashed it. It was a it was a crush. I loved seeing it. And then of course Story hits. Did was that the did he hit? No, it was just one in that game. He hit won the prior game, but Story is is on fire right now. He's made some good defensive plays in this series too. Um thrown from his behind little diver liner grab yeah um and then the diver flip for the double play yeah mhm so and it it's funny that you mentioned that cuz i was sitting watching that game and thinking to myself has trevor story very specifically that game has trevor story moved into the elite level rocky as in the best Rocky on the team right now, has like he has he officially made that jump over Arenado? Hey, I brought that up, I believe, last season on the podcast. Like we're talking about, we were talking about Nolan. I was like, is it possible that he's not even the best Rocky? Uh, and I think Story edges him out because of the speed and the base running ability. Nolan just doesn't have that. Um, for sure. So I think that's a very valid argument about it's story. Very possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, as I was saying that, the very next inning, boom, Nolan Arenado makes that amazing catch in foul ground territory where he's talking about speed. Where, like, how come he's got that speed out there on the <laughs> defensive side? But when he gets on the base paths, he's like, uh, I forget how to run that fast. 
I don't know. It's not. I, I, he moved. He was moving pretty quick. Mm. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was like, really, Hampson probably should have got to that thing. But I, yeah. I think a lot of what was going on there. I, I don't know. I think a lot of time when the ball's even in Nolan's vicinity, everyone knows like you just let him take care of it, let him handle that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I think he's just he probably has an extra gear when he's going after a baseball. I think that's just what it is. Don't know why. Because he enjoys it more, I would assume. That would be my theory. But he uh, he needs to get the 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 strength part of his his game going in, uh, in the batter's box. In due time. In due time. Right. Well, that, I mean, so that second game obviously was the win. A win, six to one. The starting pitcher for the Colorado Rockies that day was Kyle Freeland. Yes. He goes six innings, allows two hits, struck out four guys. Wow. Like it was impressive to watch him pitch that that game. That was a uh that was a solid outing. And that was nice to see. I mean, two hits, that's that's impressive. Yeah, he looked good again. He looked really good again. Um, so that's nice to. He definitely looks like the confidence is back, and which is a big part of his game. And uh, it was nice to see that from Kyle and all the starting pitching, really. So, you know, Chi Chi's going to go for us here tomorrow. Uh, I don't want to step on your toes with a game preview, but. It'll be our first glance at Chi-Chi, so we'll see how a full the full five looks, confidence-wise. But Kyle out there, he's got himself some new tats, if you haven't noticed. They're on the right arm only, right arm only. And, uh, you know, maybe that extra ink just kind of uh, got him back to where he needed to be to, to be pounding the strike zone and striking guys out. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely... Uh appears that way. I mean, that is a direct correlation. So from what I understand about science, I, I'm going to go with it. That makes perfect sense. So new ink, bam, new pitcher. It's kind of interesting. I mean, John Gray pitched well that first game. We've seen basically our top four guys. Uh, we've seen all of them have had two starts already. Mm-hmm. So John Gray, I think, looked good. You know, there was a, a little bit of a, a faltering there in the sixth, but he does go five and two-thirds. He is the worst of the, the starting pitchers from an ERA standpoint after two starts with a 2-6-1 ERA. So, it's all, I mean, it's also, outside of Marquez, all of them have had one start in Coors Field, too. So, Kyle Freeland is the best, sitting at one Point five, Marquez at one five four, Sensatilla two four five. So, and Gray at two two six one. So that is, I mean, it's early, obviously, but they've played teams that are solid offensively. Not not so much the Rangers, but 
Oakland and San Diego are good offensive teams. So obviously San Diego was missing Hosmer, who's been tearing it up, you know, before he went on the IL, but the starting pitching is very encouraging. So we will see how Chichi looks, but one through four so far, uh, very good. I mean, we could we'll get into Sensatella today, but I thought he looked looked strong and we I gave a A, I think, to starting pitching. Maybe I did give an A plus, but I don't it's definitely held that grade, at least an A plus. Now the bullpen, of course, is uh has seen some issues, but starting pitching, yeah. Uh, hitting, I gave a poor grade two, I think a D uh, initially, but they have definitely stepped up. Everything's starting to come together, and it looks it looks nice. It's fun to watch them out there. Everyone's got that confidence, and and although we do lose Desmond, which I think was a bummer and losing that production. I mean, Matt Kemp has stepped in uh, very nicely there. So it's, it's looking pretty good. Rainbows and uh, puppy dogs or roses, Un- rainbows and roses. Unicorns. I don't know if it matters. Unicorns. Yeah. That's your famous rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. Rockaroo fans have that saying with your face on it on t-shirts and stuff. Um, yeah. Walking yeah. around the streets of Denver and the surrounding Surrounding area. I was up in Casper, Wyoming, a couple weeks ago, and saw saw one where uh, saw one of those shirts. So, oh yeah, yeah, nice. It's good that our reach is it's out there. And if you're not listening, you're missing out. You're missing out. We've got a uh, the Rockaroo Gang hashtag Rockaroo Gang. Um, we're really, you know, burning burning it up in in a good way. If that if that's a term that. Um, Rocking it up. We're rocking it up. That's the term. That's on the other shirts. Hashtag rocking it up. Hashtag rockaroo gang. Hell yeah. I like it. So cut to Sunday. We're greeted with the the news that Tyler Matzik gets his first win since uh, 2015. Um, you guys remember him? First round uh, draft pick for the Rockies back in the day. Don't even have it. It was so long ago. I don't. They weren't even counting dates. You know, they weren't even counting years. It was so long ago. High school pitcher, le- <laughs> lefty out of California, uh, came up had a pretty solid stretch for the Rockies for maybe a couple months, and then it just. It kind of fell apart fast on him, but yeah, I guess now he's he's pitching with the Braves because apparently no one wants uh, Mike Fultonevich anymore. Uh, don't know what's <laughs> going on there. Don't know why the Rockies didn't put a claim out on him. Uh, maybe that's a contract thing. I don't know. That seems weird that he cleared waivers, but maybe he's got the yips. Yeah, but that's why you wouldn't those go away sometimes. Why not take the – I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I guess you have to put him on your 40-man or your 25-man, and everyone's trying to win because of the shortened season and the extended playoffs. So, Yeah. But anyway, uh, other, other team news aside, the Rockies uh, – Wade Davis did wake up on either today or yesterday with a sore shoulder. 
I guess you can't put down sore ego. Rim shot. Are you there? Are you listening? Is anyone there? <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm man. here. I'm here. I thought you were gonna laugh so hard I was gonna break break the speakers <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so sorry. I was, I was. Oh, go ahead. Wade Davis um, woke up with a sore shoulder. He's going on the IL. They bring up Joe Harvey. Got the unfortunate news about Oberg with more blood clots in the arm, which is just not good. Whether you're a pitcher or just a regular regular guy. The Rockaroo is experiencing some technical difficulties. Please stand by while these issues are sorted out. In the meantime, please consider King Supers for your next grocery trip. All right, where were we? Great Wade Davis joke. I do say so. Yes. I do declare. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and Scott Oberg, blood clots, not good. Um... That's a real bummer. Just real bummer there. As yeah, so, Bud Black said, I'm stealing that term from him. <laughs> Never heard it before. I like it. I like it. <laughs> what is it like? What is that in reference to? I'm not sure where that it, like originates from, but it's it's clever for sure. I assume it has some kind of meaning. Is like I don't know. It's just. It's odd. I, I would be interesting to know where the where the origin origination of that slang came from, but definitely a bummer, especially after watching Wade Davis on Saturday. Yeah. No. Friday. Friday. Yeah. yeah. Friday. Yeah. Oh, no way Wade Davis is going in there with a six six to one lead. That's not nearly enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wade. Poor Wade. I was telling a, a a listener, texted me thoughts on Wade Davis after that, and I said, you know, we can't can't be nurturing a $50 million closer right now. You know, can't be putting him in there and being like, well, he'll work through it. Uh, and I don't think you will. I, I don't. I think it's all Hyro, as we kind of saw today here on, on Sunday, so... Well, even I guess Wade Davis was down anyway. <laughs> he was unavailable, <laughs> yeah. I guess, even if if Black would have wanted to put him in there. But yeah, but the yeah the thing there is that's unique is or not unique is odd. I mean, they they're willing to cut ties with McGee and Shaw, but not Davis. So yeah. I don't know. I guess they saw something enough there that they're like, let's do it, and it. Uh, Hasn't worked out. I guess he's got two appearances now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, one that was a little shaky and one that absolutely sucked. I was I was fully on board with Wade. I was believing. I was a believer until he missed his spot by two feet and Tatis Jr. took him took him <laughs> out of the ballpark. After that, I was like, Well, all right, we gave him a shot, but time to move on, I guess. I remember I saw it and I wasn't really paying attention and I was thinking, why are you even trying to go up on him? And then I saw the replay and just saw that he totally missed his spot. Wasn't even close. I think he, yeah. Tony wanted that thing in like the dirt. 
Because wasn't he 0-2 or 1-2 also in the count yeah. on that? Yeah. 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 So it was that was bad. It was bad to see that. Uh, the rest of the bullpen is... Uh, today, it got a little shaky too, but... Um, yeah. I think the rest of the bullpen has looked okay so far, but... Yeah. Uh, and Pazos today... I mean, we could just write it off that it was his first appearance of the season, you know, which would be rough. That'd be rough as a, I mean, that's a full week and a little more, two days, a week and two days. So I don't know. I almost blame, I guess, Blood Black for that. Blood Black for that. So Blood Black is definitely to blame. (laughs) <laughs> I guess leaving him in as long as he did. But I, at this point in time, I, it's easy to forget that once you put a reliever in, he's got to face three dudes. So oh, that's you don't right. have a choice. So, we, ha- I mean, they haven't. It's weird. Maybe they have talked about it on the broadcast. I feel like they haven't. But it's weird that they haven't just been, like, hammering the crap out of that. Well, they, you know? they're probably forgetting they themselves. That. Yeah. But so you don't have the once you put them in, you got to finish the inning or face three three guys. Which brings me to the point: like if like for example today, Estevez comes in, finishes the inning, and then Black puts him in, finishes the eighth, one batter. Then Black leaves him in there for the ninth. Does he have to then face two more batters before he can come out, or is he cleared and he can come out whenever since he already finished the prior inning? I don't know. I was thinking that exact same thing. Not today, but earlier. I don't know if, yeah, once once you meet one of those requirements, you're good to go. Or if it resets once he comes back in in the eighth there. So I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Huh. Interesting. Well, um, I think from, from the standpoint of the bullpen, I mean, El Monte... Estevez, Diaz, they all look good. Bard, I think, looks good as well. So those are kind of going to be the powerhouse guys, I think, going forward unless, you know, something changes. But it's I feel comfortable with those guys going out there. I really do. Yeah, they're they're doing their thing. Uh, I mean, Estevez did give, give up a big gapper. Gapper to Nailer, hardly newer. Boy, you say <laughs> you say Gapper and Nailer in the same sentence, you're liable to be arrested for something. Um, yeah, make sure the E goes on this episode for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fuck. Make it worth it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for all other purposes, yeah. I, I, I don't want to like... My, I'm pro- I'm struggling right now. I don't want to like actually say that out loud and say I feel comfortable with these guys because I'm a jazz yeah. guy, you know. So I'm I'm gonna rewind and okay. Well, with that being said, man, Sensatella looked awesome today. Yes. Right. Yes. Six innings. He allowed four hits. He did allow the earned run. Uh, but six strikeouts. Wow. And like he dominated uh, Machado and Tatis, which yes. is kind of like their one and two guys. Like he's straight dominated those losers. Yeah. 
And I, I, we talked about it last episode or maybe in the mini episode, whatever. I think he's thriving without the, the crowd stuff. I think, he's, he, I think he is one of the guys that is doing better because of it. Or maybe he just, you know, really worked hard this offseason. And he did trim up from last season, which yeah. is nice. So I'm sure that's part of it too. And just he has more experience under his belt. But, yeah, he looked really good today. That was great to see. And also, who knows, maybe yeah. the no, the pitchers not batting is a big plus for these guys. You know, they don't have to worry about going up there and taking swings. They can just sit and chill until the innings o- half innings over. Yeah. The, the one thing that I really liked from Sensatella was his celebration – after which which home run was it it was after mcmahon's home run the two run shot which was not awesome to see but that like so his celebration because he was already out of the game at that point in time that was awesome he was pumped up it was it was sweet to see that i really uh highly enjoyed that from sensatella and i know that's all you know there's probably a lot of guys pumped up but it seemed like he was the like the one dude that was super pumped up and maybe it was I don't know. At that time, it felt like that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Later, turns out that the Padres were going to find a way to score five runs in the eighth and ninth. But you know, that was that was fun to see after his outing and and him staying out there and being being pumped up. We kind of talked about that in not last season, but the season before with uh, Freeland. So. I like to see that from your teammates, you know, especially in a season like this where you're supposed to kind of be staying away from your teammates, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice because, you know, I think we saw Senzatello was kind of more of the subdued guy. Um, but now that he's kind of more one of the, he's starting to become a, a more t- veteran type guy to see him be more vocal yeah. and, and, and kind of take control like you know you would think that the starting pitcher for that day even if they are out of the game is is kind of your captain for the day you know he's he's the one leading leading the charge and so once they once they are out of the game and can't lead the charge from the mound they do it from the dugout and that's cool to see yeah and here's something, now I don't know how much it relates to the starting pitchers, but uh, we haven't mentioned about Darren Holmes no longer being with the club. We have a new bullpen coach, uh, Daryl Scott, I believe is his name. And uh, yes. I think maybe we're maybe we're seeing some benefits of that. It's easy to say, especially early here, but um, it could be a factor. Could be a factor. Well... Yeah, and if you've listened to the broadcast, you know the dude's a workaholic. He built a portable mound and drove around Arizona and worked with all the pitchers that stayed in in there during the COVID shutdown. and And he's a he's a guy. He wants he wants to make it make it happen. Cool. I think you do see it in the you do see it in the bullpen a little bit, except for Wade Davis. He's probably that old veteran guy that's like, yeah. I'm going to do it my way. I don't care, Scott. Could be. I'm doing it my way. And that could be and of course he got blown up. But. And that could be part of the reason Shaw and McGee are gone too. And I will yeah, I also yeah. 
You know, I think another part of it is maybe it's just, you know, those guys had their cheddar. They didn't, they weren't hungry. They didn't, they don't need a next contract or they don't, um, you know, whereas like guys like Tyler Kinley and Jairo Diaz and Estevez and Bard, you know, those guys need, you know, if they, if they want to continue, they need to be good. Whereas I think it would be easy for a Davis or a Shaw or McGee to just kind of be like, oh, well, it wasn't my night tonight. And we, of course, we always hear it from Drew and he, oh, well, yeah, these guys are competitors, though. You know they want to win. And, yeah, I'm sure that's true, but I think sometimes there's some subconscious stuff at play that uh, we're really not even aware of necessarily. And I think that that part of it is it definitely is a factor. And it, I mean, we, yeah. we have proof essentially of it. Other than Davis's first year, even though he did blow six six saves, one famously in Texas on Father's Day, and you tie uh-huh. you tie for the division lead, and you end up losing that one hundred sixty third game. So, yeah, he was, and I think from like. From the save standpoint in that season, he was successful. But from all of his other metrics, he was kind of just average. The point of that was just that the Rockies were in save situations quite a bit that year, which gave him the opportunity to do it. But even watching watching him shut it down, it was always a little dicey. You know, it was never that like, oh, yeah, we got it's like covered. It was early on, I felt. But yeah, towards the middle and end of the season, it really kind of after that Father's Day debacle because there was yeah he like blew like three and four days or something four or five games if I remember it was a bad week for him. But I would say like you are right like from the Rockies standpoint anyways the experiment of paying high dollar for proven relief pitchers proven veteran relief pitchers on long term contracts is. Uh, I think the verdict is in. Like, no, like, that's <laughs> Don't do not it. the way to go. Don't do it. You're gonna have <laughs> you know, to. No, it's like young guys, guys who haven't played in six years. I mean, you got to piecemeal it together, and then hope your hope Daryl Scott is a magician, which uh, very yeah. well could be. So, and that's probably not just the Rockies case. Like, you look at some other instances out there. Uh, Craig Kimbrell kind of. Was he was like the top, no doubt, number one closer? Mm-hmm. Signed a big contract with Boston, and boom. And even now, I don't, I don't know where he's pitching now, but you know, he's Chicago, not getting it I done. believe the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. And so it's out there, you know that like that data's out there. It, you know, once you pay them, it's it gets tricky, and it's even tricky anyways nowadays with closers. It used to be, you know, hey, you got. Uh, you got your guys like your Trevor Hoffman's that are they're shut down, no doubt. You pay them. They like in today's baseball, it's year to year. You know, very uh, skeptical on a guy that can really be that shut down. It's like one dude may emerge one season, but he's got that one season. It's not like he's going to do it thirteen seasons in a row, like back in the day. It just doesn't happen quite as much. Right, yeah, unless your name's Hoffman, Rivera, Chapman, I would argue, Aroldis Chapman, 
Yeah. And and maybe Jensen. But other than that, it seems like these high tier best in the league closers are good for two, three years, and then that's it. So like cause remember when Heath Bell was the absolute bomb and bomb yeah. in a good way. And that lasted like three, four years. Now we got Kirby Yates or Andrew Miller. You know, he was really. Yeah. Yes. But I think Chapman right now is still. Yeah, I think the, but the difference there that Chapman gets to benefit from, like outside of the, the, so the Reds where he was young and the, like the guy then went to the Yankees and was the guy. And then they traded him to the Cubs. He was definitely the, you know, still the guy. I get that. But now with the Yankees, I think the one nice benefit that the Yankees have done with their bullpen is they've found like those multiple guys where it's kind of a fluid bullpen. Like they've got Green and Ottavino and Chapman and not last. Well, last year they still had Batances, but they kind of have that bullpen where it's like any of those guys are going to be closers. And I think they, they get to relieve a lot of that mental pressure, even from Chapman, where it's like, all right, man, you're going to be our guy, but maybe not every night you're going to be that guy. Like, I think that can relieve a lot of that mental pressure that wears those relief pitchers down. But that's just a, a theory on my part. I, I really don't know for certain. Well, this we know. I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Wade Davis, when he does come back, will be – a sixth inning guy. Is that wow? All the way, yeah. Big demotion for him. Oh, yeah. Sixth inning. Well, yeah. I think just move him down the line. Yeah, I think so. Move him down and up the line. You know, you'll see Hiro nine, Carlos eight, probably Bard seven. Yeah. And then I think you're right. I mean, again, because, like, I mean, maybe if it's April, if it's a regular season in April, you don't see that. Um, and who knows what Joe Harvey is going to be like. Yeah. Probably super awesome. Who knows? That's our hope, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. There's no reason to believe that he's going to be... Uh, any anywhere in like better than that, unless there's some kind of injury or something going on. But you're right; those other guys definitely stand above him. I don't know what in like I don't know what his ERA is, but it's there's no way it's good. <laughs> you mean from like last year or career? <laughs> from this just this year. <laughs> Last year we know it wasn't good, so this year it's not like. But the Wait, other thing you just wonder is, who are you talking about? Davis. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Harvey. No, no, sorry. I, yeah, you did talk about Harvey, and then I moved right into it and kind of <laughs> skipped through that. Yeah, I don't know anything about Harvey, but I'm yeah. From Davis's standpoint, there's there's nothing where you say, oh, let's get him in there. At closer when he comes back, the only thing you wonder is if they're going to buy into the like, oh, well, he was injured. That's what was going on there. We're going to give him another shot, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I I don't see them doing even them. I don't see him doing it. Yeah, not at this point, right? Right. Right. Who knows if he'll even make it back before you know it's playoff time? I don't know. It's 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 gonna be interesting to see how they manage all this stuff. Uh, we know they love Chris Owings. Yeah. We know yep. that they definitely want Charlie playing right field. Um, what else do we know for sure? We know they kind of like Murphy at first, which how have we not talked about his little tiny bun thing he's got going on in the back? Have you seen this? I don't think so, no. Oh. I have not. Next time his hat's off or even sometimes with his hat on and it's a a side shot of him, he's got – because his hair is kind of long – but he's been putting it up in like a real tiny bun in the back of his head. It's pretty <laughs> ridiculous. It's pretty. Next time he tries to stretch a single into a triple um, and he gets smoked by 30 feet and he slides and his helmet <laughs> his helmet falls off, just look, look at the back of his head. <laughs> uh, was that what he was doing or was he trying to go first to third? He was trying to go first to third. I don't know Golly. what he was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that that guy does not have the legs to do that. That's for sure. Ugh. Boy, but Tony Walters kind of had a little mishap there as well today. Yeah, the old trying to turn a single into a double and real awkward situation going on yeah. there. I don't know what he was thinking, but yeah. get down on that man. Slide. What are you well, doing? Well, first things first. When you hit it and it's even close to being fair, you need to be running out of the box. Yeah. He didn't yes. start running till the umpire called it fair. Um, so that's first. Yeah. And then it's like if you didn't do that, then yeah, it was it was funny. Profar was like, I'm not fucking around <laughs> here. It's like I'm gonna I'm not gonna yeah. wait for you to come to me. I'm gonna get you out. Yeah. As he should. As he should. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that was it was awkward it was funny i i unfortunately enjoyed it uh even though it was at the the disadvantage of the rockies walters needs to be uh paying attention to what's going on there yeah yeah but and you yeah, uh, do you want to men- mention this oh go ahead and just a a, a cap on that maybe you wouldn't have enjoyed it if it was uh nine to two padres either Right or yes, or even right. like tied if it was a game. close game, yeah, if it's yeah. close or yeah, yeah, that's you're exactly right. And turns out it wasn't as close as uh, I thought at that point <laughs> in time because it ended up ending nine to six, and Diaz needed to come in to notch a save. It just took him one pitch, which was awesome. Sweet. But sweet, yes. Um, what I, what I wanted to mention is before this series. Uh, at Coors, I did look up some team info just because I was interested. And the Rockies were second in all of baseball, first in the National League in ERA. So they were second to the Indians, and they were first overall. So they were right, right behind the Indians with a 180 team ERA. After this series... What do you think happened? 
It, oh, I, I mean, if I was a math whiz, I would know for sure. It probably went up to like 230, 2.3. Close, pretty close. It went up to 292. 292. They dropped, yeah, dropped to fifth mm. overall in baseball and third in the National League. So the Dodgers actually uh. bumped up to 185. They're the first uh, in all of baseball. Then the Indians, the Nationals, the Twins, and then the Rockies. So, and right behind the Rockies are the A's, which is, you know, interesting because they recently played the A's. I don't know where the Padres are. The Padres, well, I know that the Padres did not fare well this weekend because the next thing I was going to say is I looked up, I was interested in uh, the offensive side, and the Rockies were tied for fourth to last in batting average. Oh, really? Before this season, or before this series. Yeah. They were, I think, 27th. Guess where they are after this series? Sixth. Close. Very close. They are actually second. They moved from the, the bottom to the top in three games. So they're second to the Chicago White Sox. Mm. which is interesting. And the Dodgers are seventh. So uh, from an all-around standpoint, like if you're just using those two metrics, which, you know, why why wouldn't you? Those are the only two that matter, right? Uh, that is pretty po- like a positive outlook. Now, from an OPS standpoint, the Rockies are 11th with, ironically, the Philadelphia Phillies first. But we can talk about that in a second because that – that marker doesn't really mean anything due to the fact that they've only played however many games. Where are they in on-base percentage? The Rockies as a team? Yeah. Is that that what you're asking? Uh Okay. Hold on. So on-base percentage as a team. Do they do that? Okay. They are... Eighth overall, 338. Because it does seem like they've been drawing more walks, uh, specifically in yeah, that, so that Rangers series. Yes, that Rangers series, they were striking out a lot. The, I, I mean, they must have been... Obviously, the, the hitting coaches had to have told, told them, like, hey, knock that shit off. Because uh, <laughs> obviously you're going to do that anyways, but... They definitely changed their approach at the play, even moving directly into the Oakland series. So uh, they have been much better. I did not look that up prior to the series. Otherwise, like that would be interesting to see too. But um, I just looked up average and ERA. So I mean, I could go back, I guess, historically and look it up. But um, that could that that would be a lot of research, and I'm sure people don't really care that much that listen to the Rockaroo, anyways. If you're listening to some other nerds out there, you probably want to know what the OPS plus is or the ERA plus. Well, you know what? Screw you, because I don't. None of us care about that shit. Right? Wins. We care about wins at the Rockaroo, and what leads to wins, yeah. which is good R E R E R a good R E I trip to get your confidence up, Charlie Blackman, <laughs> and then a good yeah. Uh, good, <laughs> 
spit it out. And then a good ERA and a solid batting average to lead to the W. Yes. So the Rockies are right now currently tied for first place in the National League West Be with the Dodgers. Both have a... Actually, the Rockies technically are in first place because they have a 750 winning percentage and the Dodgers have a 700 winning percentage. So the Dodgers are 7-3, and three, Rockies are 6-2. and two. Um, and the Padres are one game back after the Dodger after the Rockies uh, took them out in this series. They should be two games back, Bud and Davis. Yeah. So, anyways, that's why I uh, I was just. Interested to see how they were looking as a team in the that improvement. Nothing helps uh, helps your hitting stats more than going home, especially when you're home. I guess is Coors Field. If you want to jump on board with the national pundits' uh, opinion of what's going on there, but the Rockies have built a team in the off season. Uh, no, they built a team long run because they didn't do shit on the offseason but the Rockies have a team that again performs well when expectations are low there you go story of the franchise yeah I think the more important piece is doesn't perform well when expectations are high (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah that's that's it because, like, you think about it, two th- high expectations for 2019, the freaking uh, lay an egg, if you like that term, uh, and suck it up. We do know this year they're not going to win as many games as they did last year, but hopefully as a percentage it's much higher. Uh, anyways, it, <laughs> it'd be close if they won the rest of their games. But the team really sucked last year and they're basically the exact same team this year with the exclusion of Shaw and McGee so that's probably a a big addition by subtraction uh if you like that phrase because you don't have to run those losers out there (laughs) yeah I'm I'm rolling them off I'm looking them up on Google because I was looking up the origin of bummer and so all these other things came up so I just was like, hey, I'm going to use a bunch of these phrases and maybe someone will be like, oh, I've never heard that before. And, you know, they'll think I made it up. Possibly. I know what you're not making up. Uh, the the coming soon to Rocky's game near you. That's right. So. Moving on, after the Rockies uh, crush the Padres, I'm going to say crushed because I, I want to. They're going nowhere. Instead, the Giants, their second divisional matchup, come to town. And the Giants are going to come to town for four games, I believe. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So four-game match. With the Giants. I don't think the Rockies are going to have an off day the rest of the month. 
So Giants come to town. We know we're going to get Chi-Chi. Giants haven't announced who they're going to throw out there on Monday. But uh, Chi-Chi Gonzalez is going to make his first start for the Rockies in the five holes. The five hole, I guess that's not really the hole. In the fifth starter spot. So the Rockies hopefully keep up the good hitting. We get to see Chris Owings. Nobody doesn't want to see that guy out there. And hopefully the Rockies crush whoever the Giants put out there. Chichi Gonzalez, let's see what you got. That's Monday. On Tuesday, we're going to see our number one guy go out there again. Marquez going against some dude the Giants have. Not sure who that might be. I'm not sure I even know any of their starters. Johnny Cueto, is that still a dude that does stuff? Anyways, uh, the Rockies hopefully will crush them on Tuesday. And then we'll see the Gray Wolves next start on Wednesday. Again, Giants are they're they're keeping it tight, that tight against the the uh the vest. Is that a saying? I don't know what I'm trying to go with there. They're they're keeping the info secure. We don't know who they're gonna throw. Then on Thursday, guess who the Rockies throw? You guessed it. One dot. Is he finally reemerging? I think so. Giants, they're scared of him because they haven't even announced their starter for that game. So boom, that's what's coming through Thursday, and then Friday the Rockies will head out to Seattle and take on the Mariners. That will wrap us up through Sunday. So we will talk Giants-Mariners next podcast, unless we throw a quick one out sometime, which don't uh, don't count on it, but you never know. Anyways, that's what's coming. You got anything else for us? No. All right, well, then I will uh, head us on out with a Go Rockies! (laughs) 